All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we're talking all about the Falcons pass rush, why it's important that they improve it and all the ways that they could do at this. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at falcfans, writing weekly content for the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's Lockdown Falcons podcast is brought to you by OnlineGambling.com, the place to be for all the latest gambling news and tips throughout the NFL playoffs. Visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to get the edge over the competition throughout this year's playoffs. So today's episode, we're talking all about the Falcons pass rush and the reasons why they need to improve that unit and the ways that they can improve that unit and look at sort of some past teams that have been able to go from really bad pass rushes to much improved uh, pass rushes the following year and sort of see what sort of template they set for us. And this is sort of kind of a little bit of a follow-up to Tuesday's episode uh, where we talked all about the offensive line improvement. And we know that, you know, improving the pass rush is going to be important for this team this offseason. Dean P has already let that sort of cat out of the bag where I think it was in the, uh, Thursday presser he had before the Bills game where he discussed the team's need to improve the pass rush as well as get better in man coverage this offseason. And we'll leave sort of the man coverage stuff aside for now. Sort of my general takeaway from that comment wasn't that the Falcons intend to move towards a man-heavy defense or anything like that, but I, my guess is that he wants to improve the man coverage because that will improve their red zone defense where a lot of the times where they got beat this year uh, in man coverage this year came in the red zone, and that's the area of the field where they often sort of are very man-heavy in that front, and so if they can get tighter coverage on that end, that will lead to Dean Pease, uh in this Falcons defense being more of that bend-but-don't-break style of defense that he uh, sort of covets and getting more stops in the red zone. But we can certainly revisit that topic later, particularly when we get to the cornerback position, uh, when we do our year in review in a couple of weeks. But today we're just going to focus on the pass rush. And I think, you know, for most of you guys listening, you know that the need to improve the pass rush is obvious. Uh, you know, when the Falcons are playing as much zone coverage as they like to play this past year, uh, you need to be able to get reliable pressure with your front four guys. And because I don't necessarily expect the Falcons to suddenly stop playing zone in 2022, that's going to continue to be a point of emphasis up front. And we know that the Falcons were not able to get reliable pressure this year. They were not able to generate enough sacks this year with 18 sacks being the lowest in the NFL. But in addition to generating more sacks, we know that pressure also matters. I've been charting the Falcons defense going back to the 2019 season. And regardless of whether we're talking about Raheem Morris's defenses or Dean Pease's defenses, the, the data that I keep collecting when I'm watching the film is that when this team gets pressure, this defense is much more effective. And while I don't necessarily have the numbers fully for the entirety of the 2021 season, I did look at some of the games where the defense at least the past defense played reasonably well uh, in the second half of the season, looking at games like the Patriots game, the Jaguars game, the second Panthers game and the bills game to sort of look at how effective the defense was when they were able to generate pressure. And once again, meaningful pressure really mattered in those games on the 54 snaps 
I charted across those four games combined uh, where the Falcons were getting pressure against, you know, five different quarterbacks and Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Cam Newton, PJ Walker, and Josh Allen. The quarterback success rate on those 54 snaps was 33%. On the 88 plays where the Falcons were not able to get pressure based off of my charting, the quarterback success rate was 52%. And 52% is a really good success rate, and 33% is a very bad success rate. So it's sort of that difference. Even if you looked at PFFs, Charting data uh, and their threshold for what is a pressure is higher than apparently mine because they only had 37 dropbacks uh, in in those four games uh, where the Falcons generated pressure. But basically, you look at their passing grades for the quarterbacks under pressure versus kept clean. It dropped like 15 uh, points on the passing grade. And when you look at the passer rating, it dropped almost 40 points or actually over 40 points uh, when the quarterback was pressured versus when he was clean. And so, you know, we can spend all day long talking about, you know, what does this information mean and is how does that uh, contribute to the conversation and debate around whether a defense should be built front to back, uh, focusing on that pass rush or back to front, which is focusing more on the secondary. And we won't get into that on today's episode. Again, that's maybe a conversation for a later date. But, you know, as I understand it, the general argument for why a team would want to build back to front by investing in your secondary over the front four is due to data showing that good coverage tends to be a little bit more stable year to year than good pass rush. Um, And, you know, sort of the topic we're going to get into further on today's episode kind of is discussing that instability when it comes to the pass rush uh, by talking about sort of, you know, the improvement that the Falcons could make next year. Uh, It goes back to a a tweet I've mentioned a couple of times now on the podcast from Grits Blitz that basically said the Falcons finishing dead last in the league with 18 sacks, even if they improved their sack total by 60% uh, based off of this current year's numbers, they would still finish in last place. Uh, So we're going to have to see if the Falcons can improve by significantly more than 60% in 2022. And that's going to get us into the next part of our conversation on what our expectations should be for uh, this upcoming group uh, by looking at some of the other teams over the last 20 plus seasons that have also had poor pass rushes and, and how they were able to improve their units the following year. So we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons, which again, I thank you guys for making your first listen, but I always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. And of course, today I want to tell you guys about the Locked on Braves podcast, which is free and available in a variety of podcast platforms, all the same ones that you're listening to Locked on Falcons, including on YouTube, where you can find Locked On Falcons as well as Locked On Braves. So we know that the Falcons are going to certainly be looking for edge help when it comes to enhancing their pass rusher, but OnlineGambling.com is giving betters the edge uh, by providing the best and most trusted information to help you make the best decision possible before placing your bet this season. This week, I've been challenged to pick an upset in the divisional round, and I'm going with my preseason Super Bowl pick of the LA Rams, who are, I think despite being three-point underdogs to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, will win that game due to the accumulative injuries that the uh, Bucs have uh, had over the last month. And if you're thinking about backing an underdog in this divisional round, uh, make sure you head to onlinegambling.com before you do. Don't make emotional decisions with your hard-earned dollars. Make informed ones with info sourced by experts by checking out their OG tips section where you can see their own underdog picks as well as the inside track on how to beat the odds throughout the NFL playoffs. Make sure you visit onlinegambling.com slash NFL 
for all the latest gambling news and tips to give you the edge throughout the playoffs. Remember onlinegambling.com slash NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. So jumping into the next part of our conversation, as I said earlier, the Falcons had a league low 18 sacks this past year. Um, not necessarily historically bad because looking back over the last 20 seasons, going back from 2001 to 2020, um, there's been eight other teams that had uh, less than 18 sacks or, or 18 or less sacks. So again, not historically bad, but you know, looking at those 20 seasons from 2001 to 2020, there were 15 teams that failed to have more than 20 sacks uh, in their respective seasons. And every single one of those teams did improve their sack totals the following year, uh, which again, probably touches on the whole instability thing uh, that we talked about a little bit before. But, you know, when you looked at how much improvement those teams showed the following year on average, they improved their sack totals by 92%. So if the Falcons hit that benchmark, they will go from 18 sacks this season to roughly 34 and a half sacks next season, which, you know, when looking at this past year, sack totals would be good enough to be 22nd uh, best in the NFL this year. So out of the bottom 10, uh, if the Falcons can show, you know, typical uh, progress next year. And what was interesting is when you look at 15 of those teams, seven of them were able to double their sack totals the following year. And there were four teams that stood out from that group that I want to discuss uh, further in terms of how they were able to do that. That was the 2020 to 2021 Titans, the 2018 to 2019 Raiders, the 2015 to 2016 Falcons, and the 2020 to 2021 Bengals. And so what I did was I looked at how many sacks uh, the team had in that initial year and then how many sacks that they had in the follow-up year and looked at which players were generating those sacks and how many of those players were new players to the roster, how many of those players were rookies in the initial year and then showed significant growth in year two, and then how many of those sacks came from returning players uh, in their follow-up year. Let's start talking about the 2020 the 2021 Fal- um, Titans, I'm sorry, uh, who had 19 sacks in 2020 and 43 sacks this past year. Uh, and that was the fourth best improvement among this 15-team sample. Um, and what's notable about the Titans this past year was 54% of their sacks in 2021 came from returning players, namely Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons, who combined for just eight and a half sacks in 2020, but tallied 20 and a half sacks in 2021. 44% came from newcomers and they didn't get a, as big a year as they thought they would get from Bud Dupree, their big free agent signing as injuries led to him only having tw- three sacks this past year. But instead it was Danico Autry who they brought in, who gave them nine sacks that really uh, provided the bulk of those 19 new sacks. And now, obviously I don't know if the Falcons are going to be able to rely on their returning players to provide that big a boost for them. Since the only notable player that we're thinking about, Returning is is really Grady Jarrett since we're not necessarily expecting Dante Fowler to return. And while I do think Grady Jarrett could have a big jump in his sack total, uh, you know, and maybe add, you know, half a dozen more sacks in 2022, uh, if the Falcons can put the right pieces around him, you know, that's not going to necessarily really cut it uh, in terms of making significant gains. So let's move on and talk about the 2018 to 19 Raiders. And they went from a historically bad 13 sack, which was the second lowest um, in this 20 year sample in 2018 to 32 sacks in 2019. And that was the second biggest improvement. And what's notable is 22% of them came um, from rookie growth, mainly uh, Maurice Hurst and Arden Key and PJ Hall being a little bit better in 2019 than they were in their rookie years of 2018. Uh, But the bulk of the uh, 
improvement came from newcomers uh, where, you know, Max Crosby and Cleveland Farrell, two players that they drafted, provided 14 and a half sacks. Uh, and then they also got some uh, nine sacks from f- cheaper free agents like Benson Mayoa and Dion Jordan. Um, and, you know, the Falcons also appeared on this list, the 2015 to 2016 Falcons, who went from 19 sacks to 34 sacks in 2016. Unfortunately, that was only the 10th biggest gains. And similarly to the Raiders, they relied on some of their young guys with that second year growth, primarily being Vic Beasley, you know, going from four sacks to 15 and a half sacks uh, from 15 to 16. And along with Grady Jarrett also getting a little bit of boost. And that represented like 54% of the Falcons, uh, 34 sacks in the follow-up 2016 season. And so, you know, I don't know, again, rookie growth is going to be a reliable strategy for the Falcons, given you're looking at players like Adeo Gundeji, Taquan Graham, and a couple of players in the secondary. None of those guys were really dominant pass rushers in college. So I don't think we can really expect those guys to make big leaps forward in year two. So let's look at the 2020 to 21 Bengals. And they went from 17 sacks to 42 sacks. And that was the biggest improvement. And I think this is really the team where the Falcons can really follow their blueprint. 69 of their 42 sacks in 2021 came from new players, 4% from rookies uh, growth and 25% came from returning players. Obviously they made a big splash in free agency by going out there and paying big money to Trey Hendrickson who had 14 sacks in a pro bowl season this past year, uh, improving upon the 13 and a half sacks that he had a year ago. And it's interesting because Hendrickson was a player that if you listen to last year's um, free agent preview episodes, we talked about Hendrickson as a player that was potentially due uh, for some regression this year. And obviously he did not uh, regress in, in the case. They also added Larry Ogundebji, Larry Ogunjobi, I'm sorry, uh, to kind of a one-year prove-it deal from the Browns. He added seven sacks this year. They traded for B.J. Hill from the Giants. He added five and a half sacks. Uh, and you know, when you look at the improvement uh, from the returning players, that mostly came from Sam Hubbard, who had two sacks in 2020, and he improved to seven and a half sacks in 2021. And from what I understand, in previous years, Hubbard spent a lot of his time rushing from the interior, uh, and maybe that's one of the reasons why his sack totals weren't as productive. Uh, and then with the additions of guys like Ogan Joby and Hill, he got to rush more from the edge, and that seemed to benefit him as well. So, again, I think the Bengals potentially are the model that the Falcons should be most trying to emulate, obviously because they saw the biggest growth um, this year. And the Bengals used free agency as their primary driver for improving that pass rush. But I also think the Falcons can borrow a page from the Raiders and also use the draft uh, when, you know, Max Crosby and hopefully you get a better pick than Cleveland Farrell proved to be. But, uh, you know, definitely the Raiders were able to get the most out of the draft. And we'll see sort of if, you know, what potential pathways that the Falcons could follow by using both of those avenues uh, to improve their pass rush as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But before we get into that, guys, I want to let you guys know that Peacock and Williamson, the Locked on flagship NFL show is going on the road to LA for Super Bowl week. Follow Peacock and Williamson on your favorite podcast platform to get the most comprehensive uh, coverage of the big game, as well as all the games between and now in the NFL news between now uh, and the big game. So check out Peacock and Williamson free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you can find locked on Falcons, including Apple Odyssey, Google and Spotify. So, of course, the Falcons are going to have some experts in their front office that are going to help them navigate the salary cap this offseason as they look to improve their pass rush. Perhaps uh, you need some guidance to help you navigate the unusual circumstances that you had in 2021, um, and you're maybe worried about how that may 
complicate your taxes, but TurboTax Live experts, complicated taxes is when things get interesting. Um, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. TurboTax can match you with the right expert uh, who has experience in your unique situation and can answer all of your tax questions right from your phone or computer. They can even take care of the whole filing process for you, whether you launch your own startup or are working multiple jobs or juggling multiple incomes. An experienced TurboTax Live expert can help you during the entire filing process or do your taxes for you from start to finish to get you the tax deductions that you deserve. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Intuit, TurboTax Live. So um, we're not going to necessarily do a super, super deep dive on all the free agent options available for the Falcons this offseason, as well as the draft options. Again, that's stuff that we can really take a deeper look in uh, maybe a month or two from now as we get closer to the free agency. And obviously, once we get into the month of April, we can really go hard on sort of draft options. Um, we know that the Falcons are probably not going to have as much cap flexibility as the Bengals did a year ago, uh, where about 11% of their 2021 salary cap went to players like Henderson, Ogunjobi, and uh, uh, BJ Hill. And if the Falcons were to invest a similar amount in their pass rush this offseason, that would roughly mean about 20 million or more of their salary cap this upcoming season. Uh, would go to pass rushers. And obviously most of that for the Bengals went to uh, Trey Hendrickson. And while we would love to see the Falcons make a big splash like that, going out and getting someone like a Harold Landry or Hassan Reddick or Chandler Jones, uh, someone who's very productive coming off a very productive year as a pass rusher, you know, it feels like those guys might cost a little bit too much money uh, and price themselves out of the Falcon situation. We'll see if they can get creative with how they structure sort of these. So in, in all likelihood, I think you might see the Falcons rather instead settling for like a second tier guy. But I think, uh, you know, you want to see the team go out there and find somebody that can go out there, an edge rusher that can get them like eight to 12 sacks this upcoming season. Cause I don't know if you can really rely on the draft to find that type of player on the outside, going back to 2000, there have been 40 rookies that came into the NFL in their first season and had eight or more sacks. Um, there have been eight of those guys over the last five seasons and 14 of those guys over the last 10 seasons. So roughly on average, about one and a half guys over the last decade that have been able to do that. And we saw three of those guys do that this past season with Micah Parsons, Azizo Jalari, and Jalen Phillips. Now, what's interesting is given that the average is one and a half and we had three this past year, you know, the law of averages says that we'll have zero this upcoming season. And it's notable that when you look at all those years since 2000, where you had three or more rookies hit that eight sack benchmark in their first seasons, uh, which happened seven times over the last 20 plus seasons, um, the follow up year, there was significant drop off for the most part in those seven follow up seasons there was a total of six guys that hit that eight plus benchmark. So seemingly on average one guy per year. And so if you're betting on one rookie in this upcoming draft class, that's going to be the guy that hits that benchmark. If that trend continues, you're probably betting on Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher from Michigan to be that guy, given that he's probably the most NFL ready of the pass rushers in this upcoming draft. Um, and so it doesn't seem likely that the Falcons are going to be able to land Aiden Hutchinson. So basically, obviously can't predict the future or whatever in circumstances and all these various variables that are unknown at this point in time will play a part in that. But I would sit here and tell you that the 
odds are not necessarily in the Falcons' favor that whoever they wind up selecting at pick number eight, even if that is one of the better pass rushers in the NFL in the upcoming draft, like David Ojabo or even Kayvon Thibodeau or uh, Trayvon Walker, George Karlaftis, or whatever the case may be, probably is not going to come in and be that eight to 12 sack guy right away and be the primary driver of uh, a big improvement for this Falcons pass rush in 2022. But when you look at the Bengals, uh, again, Larry Ogunjobi, Larry Ogunjobi, I don't know why I can't say his name today, <laughs> but uh, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, you know, was sort of one of those mid-tier free agents. And I think that's a path that the Falcons can go. But you also look at B.J. Hill, a, a player that the Bengals acquired, uh, basically giving away their former first round bust in center Billy Price. And I think they got maybe a conditional seventh back from the Giants. Um alongside uh, B.J. Hill uh, for that trade. Uh, and so that's potentially another option for the Falcons. Uh, they could potentially look at shopping some guys. And you, you certainly wonder with players like uh, Calvin Ridley or Deion Jones, potentially on the trade market for the Falcons, maybe one avenue that the Falcons can utilize uh, to improve their pass rush is not just giving up those guys for draft picks uh, and draft capital, but potentially getting back a player and a pass rusher back. You know, Grady Jarrett's another player that a lot of people are speculating about could be on the trade market. You know, for my personal opinion, you know, it doesn't make a ton of sense for the Falcons to trade their best pass rusher uh, to get back another pass rusher and the odds that they're going to get a better pass rusher than Grady Jarrett, even despite having a down season doesn't seem to be particularly probable in that regard. So, you know, I don't know if that's really a viable option, but, you know, other potential trade options, you know, we're talking about Billy Price being a first round bust. I'm sure many of you are thinking about Kayla McGarry as a potential trade option. Uh, and, you know, obviously if you were to trade Kayla McGarry, that would potentially open up a big hole at the right tackle position, but maybe that's a spot that you can now use that eighth overall draft selection to fill, you know, other potential trade candidates this off season uh, that are under contract are guys like Kendall Sheffield, Mike Davis, John Kaminsky, again, you know, trading a pass rusher for a pass rusher uh, in the case of Kaminsky doesn't make a ton of sense in that regard, but those are some potential options there if the Falcons don't want to necessarily give up draft capital as they look to rebuild and, and maybe shop some of these guys. And if we're talking about some of the potential candidates, again, this is not meant to be a comprehensive list, but sort of looking at players like BJ Hill, guys on rookie deals that are going into the final year of their contract that may uh, their respective teams may be underwhelmed with. And just looking at the list of potential 2023 free agents uh, that were drafted in the 2019 draft class and seeing a bunch of guys that did not play a ton of snaps this past year. And maybe some of that's owed to injuries or other factors that I'm not aware of, but a couple of names that jumped off the list that were all top 100 picks in that 2019 draft that may be sort of on the outs on the bubble uh, with their respective teams that could be potential trade targets are Cleveland Farrell, Tristan Hill, Ben Benogu, uh, O'Shane Jimenez, uh, Jalen Ferguson, Chase Winovich, LJ Collier. All these guys saw a significant decrease in the amount of snaps that you would expect for a guy that was drafted as highly as they were. So uh, potential options out there, just throwing out some names, spitballing some names. So um, again, there's so many other potential options that the Falcons could pursue. Like if they do draft a young player, maybe you go out there and get a, a guy like Justin Houston, who seemingly had a, a huge impact on Odafe Owe in Baltimore this past year as sort of a mentor type that can be similar to what Dwight Freeney was seemingly for Vic Beasy uh, back in, in that 2016 season. So there are plenty of options available. We won't go through all of them. Again, we can uh, get deeper into that as we get closer uh, to free agency, but it's just generally wanted to give you an idea of the multi-pronged approach that the Falcons could take not only in free agency, the draft and potentially in the trade market and sort of, uh, you know, kind of, 
take a scattershot approach because I do think the Falcons are going to have to add a, a bunch of bodies this offseason in their front seven because when you look at this past year, uh, look at their game day active roster, there were on most weeks it was 13 or 14 guys in their front seven that were active on game days. And, you know, when we look at, you know, who's going to be on the team next year, it's still up in the air, particularly with guys like Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, and Foye Oluwakun, uh, what their futures are in Atlanta, if they have futures in Atlanta. So that's going to be something to be decided. But it feels like at a minimum, when you look at you know the potential 13 or 14 guys that will be playing for the Falcons on Sunday, uh, this fall and winter, um, you know they're going to need to potentially add like at least six guys, uh, maybe even as high as nine guys this offseason to sort of fill uh, some of those shoes. And again, because there's so many bodies that the Falcons may need, probably not going to get these big splashes or whatever the case may be. And you might see a lot of cheaper role players, similar to what the Falcons uh, added this past off season with players like Steven means and Brandon Copeland and, uh, and, and others, uh, you know, Jonathan Ballard, but hopefully we can get more impact from those cheaper role players. than we got from this past year's, role players. And so we'll just sort of have to see, and we really haven't even talked about, you know, we've been focused mostly on edge rushers. We haven't even really talked about the interior defensive line in, in ways that the Falcons can beef up their run defense. So again, uh, plenty more to talk about this off season, but uh, you'll probably wind up hearing me say it a million times, um, you know, or you've heard me say this a million times over the last uh, several months going back to last off season, but I'm very fascinated by uh, what this team and the, what this regime is going to do this upcoming offseason and not to get overly melodramatic about it and say like, oh, it's going to decide the fate of this franchise for you know years on in. But it does feel like this is a prime opportunity for this regime to really sort of establish itself and, and put the team on the correct path moving forward. And it gets back to the topic that we've discussed ad nauseum um, and gone back and forth you know, over the last several months about, you know, this team's questionable talent on the roster and how much of their, you know, inconsistencies and ups and downs and disappointments, whatever you want to call it, this past season were due does to a lack of talent. And you guys, uh, regular listeners know that, um, you know, my stance on it, I feel like for the most part, that's kind of a cop out that people are using either to deflect criticism away from the quarterback to put a positive spin on uh, the coaching staff and the new coaching staff um, to basically say that they made, you know, uh, lemonade uh, out of lemons or whatever the case may be. But, you know, you know, I don't necessarily really buy into that whole, we lack talent narrative, but for the sake of argument, um, let's concede the point and say, yes, all the Falcons problems stem from a lack of talent that the previous regime put this uh, regime in a bad spot with no cap space and, and a bunch of bad players, et cetera. Um, and so, the point of me saying all that is I, I don't think that narrative can really continue in 2022. Um, you know, that's a 2021 narrative. I don't think that's can be expected to continue. So that really puts pressure on this current regime to really, you know, make significant gains this upcoming season. Uh, and when we get into some of these games against a consistently harder schedule, where we're facing some of these playoff caliber teams uh, last year, we really struggled in a lot of those games outside the division where the Falcons were not particularly competitive. And this year, when we're facing teams such as the Bengals and the Browns and the Steelers and the Cardinals, the chargers, et cetera, you know, I feel like the Falcons are going to really have to close the gap and be much more competitive in those games. And we can't be having these 31 to 17 losses or whatever the case may be in those games. You know, even if we wind up losing more of those games than we actually win, you know, those games need to be like 31 to 27 going down 
to the final possession uh, in the like the final five minutes. Because um, I just don't think we can continue to sit here and say, oh, it's a lack of talent because this offseason, even though we're not sitting here swimming in cap space uh, or anything like that, um, you know, it's one of those things where like I don't think you can use that excuse anymore because this organization should be able to find the talent uh, to get much better and to sort of close that gap as we're talking about. And so that's going to be probably something that we're going to continue to talk about quite a bit uh, this off season um, where, whether it's improving the talent on the roster, even again, going back to a point we've made previously about, you know, if that means mining the CFL to get some of those cheap options and doing a better job, again, finding more cheap options that are better and more highly contributive players than necessarily some of the players that they added this offseason. You're just not going to have the excuse to basically you can sit there and say, okay, 2021 was kind of a feel it out year. They're inheriting uh, a bad situation, but the situation, again, it's not going to be a great situation. No one's sitting here saying that, you know, the Falcons are going to be on par with the Cowboys or the Bucks or whoever you put as the most talented team in the league or anything like that in 2022, but they should be able to close the gap on some of those guys. And we need to really see this coaching staff get more out of the talent that's here in Atlanta, wherever they rank, you know, bottom five, bottom 10, middle of the pack, whatever the case may be. We need to see that because a through line that you're going to continue to hear from me when we get into more of these positional reviews that you heard in the quarterback episode we did yesterday, and you'll continue to hear in a lot of other position groups that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks is there's going to be one or more players that underwhelmed at each position group that did not perform up to expectations. And that's part of the reason why it's harder for me to put as much stock in the whole, they lack talent narrative where it felt like a lot of players underachieved this past year. And the point of me sitting here saying is like, it's really important for this regime moving forward that that is not the case this upcoming season. So we're not talking about, you know, Obviously, not everybody's going to come out and have breakout years, but like that, the list of players that we're talking about next uh, at this time next year that underachieved, you know, we can count on one hand as opposed to seemingly like it's dozens of players, as is the case uh, this season. So that's just sort of the last tidbit I wanted to sort of uh, say on today's episode. And, you know, maybe we need to get a hashtag started or something like all, all off season and, you know, workshopping some ideas, you know, like hashtag close the gap or something like that. I'm more than welcome to your feedback that we can workshop some, some hashtags. So I, I know that you're out there listening to locked on Falcons and saying like, okay, this is why this year is important and we can get that trending. Uh, so, you know, hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at locked on Falcons or send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com, or you can leave a comment on the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel, uh, you know, with your hashtag ideas. You know, again, the one I'm throwing out there is hashtag close the gap. You again, you guys maybe can come up with some better ones. I know my sister-in-law uh, wants me to use my powers um, to to control Falcons Twitter uh, <laughs> to to get a, a Harry Potter TV show reboot. Uh, trending or whatever the case may be. Uh, but, you know, we'll we'll workshop this close the gap stuff and then we'll see if that works. And maybe uh, if if we can get that trending on Falcons Twitter, then uh, maybe I'll be able to, you know, carry out her dream of, of getting that going. Uh, but, um, you know, that being said, tomorrow's episode, we will get into the running back positional review. Um, and we'll talk about one player that certainly exceeded expectations and one player that 
didn't do that uh, as we continue on Locked on Falcons, guys. Uh, and that will do it for us on today's Locked on Falcons, but always have recommendations for what your second listen should be after Locked on Falcons being that first listen. Of course, we're talking about Locked on Bets, where handicapping expert Lee Sterling is giving you his daily picks, his blowout specials, and of course, Lee's Lock of the Day uh, to help get you to make some extra money. Go check out Locked on Bets, free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you can find Locked on Falcons. So guys, that'll do it. Appreciate it. Till then.